introducing Philip Pointner, Chief of Digital Identity at Jumio, a leading digital identity verification platform that helps you verify and detect fraudulent identities and transactions online. Philip, welcome to the show, my man. How are you? Thanks for having me on the show. I'm great. I'm great. Good stuff. Where are, where are you in the world at the moment? Uh, I'm based in Vienna in Austria. Absolutely nice. You are my first uh, guest based out of Vienna. Lovely. Hopefully, I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're um we're struggling with uh with the cold in the UK at the moment, man. So uh, I am brave in a t-shirt, but I've got a coat next to me. If it gets a little bit, is it similar over where you are? Yeah, it's cold, but we're yeah, used yeah. to it. Like that's it's finally it's a normal winter and not these warm ones that we had over the last years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Philip, let's dive straight in. Before we uh, talk about Jumio, though, I really like to understand a little bit about your career and how you got into into the industry. Yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm in product management, um, and you know, for me, even as a as a kid, I was always fascinated by the inventor type characters in 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 the cartoons and in in, in movies and whatnot. So I wanted to be that. And then at some point I realized, well, you know, product management, this is the modern way of solving complex solutions and, and inventing stuff. And it's not so much the tinkering in the garage anymore that we do nowadays. So, so software uh, is now solving problems. Um, and then I, I ended up working for a company where I was in charge of a product where we had to do KYC, know your customer checks on people. And so I was aware of how painful that is. And, you know, we had fraudsters trying to breach our security measures and whatnot. And so when then I, the opportunity came to work at Jumio and solve that problem as a service to companies so they don't have to care about identity anymore, um, I knew that that would be a successful adventure. And, and, you know, I've been here for almost 12 years now. I was going to say, yeah, you're what, 12 years in. Yeah. When you when you joined Jumio, what was your role initially when you first landed there? So the idea was really to head the product management function and bring good product management discipline uh, into the company. Up until that point, it was, you know, software developers writing requirements for other software developers. Um, and so we wanted to kind of get the customer perspective in and uh, build a good product management practice. Um, and I then was the chief product officer for the first nine years at Jumio. And I've handed over that role uh, to Bala, who joined us uh, about two and a half years ago, or maybe even three years ago. Um, and uh, my new role now is uh, this chief of digital identity role, where I future-proof Jumio for the world where identities are no longer pieces of plastic, but bits and bytes that live on our mobile phone eventually. Yeah. Um, and then the other big area that I look after is uh, is is data analytics for fraud fighting purposes, and and so that's I think a little bit where we're going to go yeah, today. Yeah, nice. What um for those that don't know, what is your digital identity specifically? So the the idea of a digital identity is that you don't have a physical passport or driver's license anymore, but it's a it's a digital representation either of these documents or it's something completely new that the government gives you um, that you can use to verify who you are in the real world and ideally also online in a way that, you know, identity theft hopefully is reduced or at least uh, significantly limited. Mm. I looked on just for some statistics around identity fraud specifically. 
And I saw one that said 33% of Americans have been a victim in the past, which I found was just incredibly high. Yeah, um, it's in it's insane. And it's um well, it's especially in the US because there are they have special use cases around, you know, tax returns and whatnot, where it's really profitable to successfully impersonate somebody. But the problem really breaks down into multiple categories. And so you have you have fraudsters that try to really specifically impersonate somebody they're going after. So they want to be somebody specific. But that's the rare case. The vast majority is the fraudsters want to be anybody but themselves, right? And so they want to create an account under a fake name. They want to create, uh, you know, access to services under a fake identity. Um, and so it's either completely made up or they steal someone else's, but they really don't care who they end up being as long as it's not themselves. That That's the normal case usually. Yeah. Who are the fraudsters? Is there been, is this like individuals or is it like more APT yeah, type stuff? It's interesting. We see, so sometimes we can, you know, pinpoint attacks and, and you know, where we have multiple uh, fraudulent attempts against one of our customers. Sometimes we can pinpoint it back to a single individual. Um, more often now, and this has been evolving over the last, you know, three years or so, it's, you know, really organized uh, rings of, you know, small rings of like 20, 25, 30 people that will work together and, and try to open as many accounts as they possibly can in the shortest amount of time. Yeah. What what exactly are Jumio doing then from a, a platform perspective? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because that will... Yeah. So so really what we do is we um, we take part in the onboarding most of the time uh, of a new user. So we we say... Uh, we turn strangers into customers. Um, and so the idea is that we take a look at the government issued ID. We take a look at the face and see if that matches the photo on the ID. We analyze the ID document to see if it's uh, authentic. Um, and we also have a range of other services on our platform that can be added to that, like a, a phone number risk and email risk, uh, device fingerprinting and other things that that help in the area of uh you know putting the good people on track to become happy customers and, and keeping the fraudsters out that that's mainly the purpose got it and why is it important for enterprises to be thinking about having platforms like jumio in place yeah i mean traditionally companies have looking have been looking after this themselves right and so you would have a a floor full of people that you know were document forensics. They would look at at document submissions that came in via email or via an upload on a website or whatever. And uh, companies used to run these operations themselves, but it doesn't give you the flexibility, the accuracy, and also the scalability that that you need as an expanding business. Because if you want to onboard twice as many people per day, you suddenly need another floor in the building. Um, and so if you work with somebody like Jumia, you can just say, you know, starting tomorrow, I'm going to send you twice as many transactions and that that's fine. Um, so that that's one. And then the other is kind of just the global context. So you, you can, you can run such an operation when you, let's say you only look at UK passports and driver's licenses, and you can become an expert in that. 
um, we're supporting, you know, globally over, you know, 195 different countries with, I don't know even how many different variants of documents. With the adoption of um, generative AI and AI ML now, I imagine over your, what, nine, 11 years that you've been with Jumio, it's evolved a lot. Um, specifically recently, how are you guys using AI to safeguard like identities of, of users? Yeah, I mean, it's it has evolved on both sides, right? And so we're in this this arms race with the fraudsters. They are using generative AI now, so very <laughs> successfully, yeah. um, and 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 deep fakes and other other techniques. And and so we use AI to fight AI. Um, we uh, we're essentially creating models that can detect uh, these types of generated uh, fake documents, but also. Most of the time, it's about the faces, the, the fake faces that don't exist in the real world. Um, but in general, the entire approach uh, in those last 11 years has changed so much, right? And so in the beginning, there were, you know, from a from a coding infrastructure point of view, there, there wasn't the tooling and there wasn't like these, these kind of uh, turnkey solutions that you have today where you just, you throw in the data, you get up, the, the the model i mean it's i'm oversimplifying my <laughs> colleagues in development they would kill me if i talk like that um but but in in terms of so it was much harder you know 11 years ago as it is today to to come up with with good solutions um and you know a while back now really the machine has you know outpaced the human in the ability to detect some of these these fraudulent uh, activities especially everything around deep fakes um, we we did a survey among uh, just you know no you know normal citizen survey, not special user groups, um, and we asked people if they are confident that they would be able to spot a deepfake, and you know over sixty percent said yeah absolutely we're we're super confident that we can spot the deepfake, and then when you actually you know test people's ability, it, it's it's not there. It's just it's it's become so tricky um to spot and you have all kinds of techniques so some of these images are just generated from scratch so that person never existed sometimes you have a real person's face that gets face swapped onto someone else's uh, id photo for example so the background the clothing the hairline all of that stays the same but the eyes the nose the mouth are inserted um so there's all there's all kinds of techniques that the fraudsters are using now and um, it has become automated for them as well. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, when we talked to uh, fraudsters in the past, they would tell us, yeah, to craft, you know, a high quality, very sophisticated fake ID document, it would have taken them, you know, 45 minutes to an hour to do one. And and now they just hit the generate button and they get 10,000s of these documents. And um, so that, that's the, the evolution we're dealing with. Crazy. How are you guys like identifying patterns then? What sort of patterns are you picking up? Yeah, so that's that has become really important also to kind of have have a tool against these uh, larger fraud ring attacks. Um, and so there is, as you can imagine, there are just reference. So if we find the fraud, uh, and then we can link other transactions to that fraud because they come from the same device, so they use the same document number, they use the same first name, last name, date of birth combination or whatever. 
that that helps us and that is just very simple you know a lookup of what what have we already seen where it gets more interesting are these attack patterns where you know we can say oh if if we get these these 12 transactions in individually you know they might look as if they're good transactions but if we look at them together we can actually see the attack pattern forming we can see that there are some faces repeating but there's a different name every time and so there's there's these kind of things that that we can do um and then last but not least what has become very important is this behavioral analysis uh, and not in the sense uh that biometrics are using it where it's you know how do you type or how do you you lift your phone out of your pocket but in the sense of what, what is the velocity of that identity. So the, the prime example I always give is if I use my driver's license in May and I use my passport in September, that's perfectly normal citizen behavior, right? If I open five bank accounts on the same day, <laughs> that's just clearly not you know what you would expect. And so these are the things that we can see. And meanwhile, also, um, we have the legal frameworks in place to, to look at that also across customers. And that has been a really powerful addition. Yeah, if you're opening five banks, you must have a lot of money to be uh, to be banking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so on, the, on the, the complexity bit of it all, so you're obviously platforms getting more and more advanced, but from a fraudster's perspective, particularly they're utilizing AI, et cetera, now to, to develop, how more, much more sophisticated are their sort of attacks becoming then on end like businesses specifically? Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I don't mean to paint the misleading kind of picture here. We, we still have a lot of these kind of, you know, low energy, low criminal intent cases where you know, it's, it's a kid that wants to get access to, you know, a site that sells vaping products. And so they take dad's identity and they try to pass their face for their dads. And, and, and so that's still to be taken serious. That's, you know, for the protection of minors, that's an important use case. But I'm just saying it's not like there is a big financial stake there where people are stealing money or there's money laundering or terror financing or whatever happening. Um, and so usually these attempts are very easy to spot with the naked eye, very easy to detect also by machine learning algorithms. And, and so there are some some very obvious things that we see. Yeah. So that that's one end of the, yeah, that's one end of the spectrum. And then it goes all the way to the other end where you have picture perfect fake identities and you need to have more context. You need to run additional checks around it um and analyze you know the images themselves and um and really go into the the more sophisticated uh kind of parts of the immune system of the id um in order to to detect the the fakes and and a normal human you know wouldn't be able to see it yeah from a financial perspective like how costly could this be for for an organization or person in that sense yeah, I mean, the businesses we serve, they, they carry all kinds of risks. So there is a regulatory risk. And so if you have the regulator breathing down your neck saying you have to comply with uh, money laundering, you have to run a proper KYC process, you have to uh, know who your customers are, you might lose your license or you might, might get you know significant fines that put you out of business. Um, if you're not you're not following that procedure, we, we had several cases now in the media where 
you know, the big crypto companies got fined in the US because they weren't running their KYC processes properly and whatnot. So, so those are, um, you know, big money uh, at stake. Then you have other cases where it's about the individual transaction. So we have car rental companies that come to us um, and yeah, they let you rent a BMW. And then if you drive it off and are never seen again, then the value of that car is just gone, right? Um, you have peer-to-peer uh, -peer cases where people are, you know, renting out places or renting out uh, expensive photo equipment to other individuals, and 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 that might get stolen or trashed or whatever. Um, so there could be all kind of mm. different reasons. You have um, uh, promotion abuse is another big one. So you're a you're a let's say you're a you know sports betting site, and you say if you if you you know sign up now, you'll get you know a hundred pounds or hundred euros or whatever uh, on top of what you pay in. That's great for fraudsters because they just create you know ten thousand accounts and they will take all your money. Um, and so there is there are so many avenues to 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 actually having a financial gain. And then there's also the the whole business of you know anonymous or kind of fake bank accounts where you can just go and sell them on the dark web. So this is this is a real, like this is a day job of I'm going to create bank accounts uh, and credit cards and whatnot in, in a fake name and then sell them on the dark web to other actors that do whatever with it. Yeah, it's scary, mate, when you think about it. I know you've been um, on your website, you're quite clear about who your customers are and sort of the partners that you've got on board. Um, is there any like data or statistic you can give around how you have prevented a certain amount or uh, amount of fraud or any like cost? Is there any sort of data around it of how the platform has helped? Well, that's an interesting. I we I I don't think we've done the math in that way. Um, but so we we you know we have about we have about uh, 35 to 40 million fraudulent IDs that we know that we caught, right? And so we believe wow. that that puts us only second to the Interpol lost and stolen travel document database in terms of, of just size of, of fraudulent IDs that we have on file. Um, and so if you, if you attribute, I don't know, uh, 700 or a thousand, you know, euros or dollars or whatever to, to each of, of these cases, um, which is a number that we've, we've gotten from our customers on an average, um, what the fraud is worth to them, then you, you get quite a, a large number. On, on the deep fakes front, um, how are they being created? Are they like just tools that are very easy to access or yeah so there are yeah there there are more and more now there are tools that you can just find on on in the internet and just uh have running in your own environment or even websites that that do that and especially around the the face swapping right and so there are two use cases really you can if you plan to use your own face which is is bold but in some some countries we see that um, if you plan to use your own face, you'll take someone else's ID and you'll Photoshop or you, you'll face swap your own face onto the document. Or it's the other way around. You try to take whatever photo is already on the ID and you face swap it onto the, the, the selfie. But 
when we record the selfie, it's not just a single image. We actually take a short video and there's a, there's a liveness detection mechanism there that makes sure we're not dealing with a piece of paper or a screen or, or whatnot. Um, and so in order to defeat that video, you, you have to have uh, some sort of a, a camera injection. So you have to run a live video feed with the swapped face that will then also like follow your own face movement uh and your your mimic um and so that that's really you know from a tech perspective you yeah. have to put more effort into into getting something like that up and running yeah yeah, yeah. wow uh it's crazy what about uh the future for for this particular identity digital identity space like You've obviously seen it evolve over the last eleven years with Jumio specifically. Like, well, what's... well, I mean, I think so. First of all, this and this brings us back to like this this evolution from plastic to to digital. I, I think we're gonna see a big movement on uh, government issued EIDs, and so we have the EU digital identity wallet coming out. You know, later this year, beginning of next year. Imagine you have 350 EU citizens that are running around with a digital identity in their pocket and they don't need to carry a plastic anymore to identify themselves. And 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 so that will change the fraud landscape because now you will have to somehow social engineer your way to that user or hack that phone or like that. It's it's going to be different. You can't just recreate that digital identity because it's cryptographically secured and it's supported by uh you know certificates that that are owned by the government um and so that's going to be a big a big level of of evolution um and then otherwise i think just this we're at the beginning of this generative ai arms race and what we haven't seen yet uh, is the full scope of uh scamming and and kind of social engineering into stealing someone's identity and so previously you know people were trained that oh yeah if, if you if you get these emails and you spot like uh you know spelling mistakes or grammar mistakes that's a hint that that's a now with chat gpt or there's even now there's fraud gpt i can tell you about that in a second um, these are just, you know, perfect messages and they are so much more in tone of what you would actually get from a telco or from your bank or whatever. Um, you will have people getting phone calls with voices that they are familiar to them that are generated uh, in a way or another. Um, and so I, I think as citizens, we will all need to become way more educated and more aware of how these generative AI tools are going to facilitate the, the scamming. Yeah. What, what's fraud, uh, what's fraud GPT? Is that a, <laughs> yeah, is that a so, website? Or... <laughs> <laughs> so fraud, this is fascinating in many ways. So fraud, fraud GPT is a large language model like chat GPT that has specifically been trained for the purpose of operating, but also creating new uh, scam operations and so not only will it come up with you know the sequence but you can then also connect it to an inbox and it will go back and forth with the victims my god it, yeah i mean if you imagine like for a fraud for a fraud ring or like a fraud operation they would send out a hundred thousand five hundred thousand emails to potential victims but then when somebody writes back 
they have to manually respond yes. to these and, and then they got the person on the hook and they have to kind of have this communication and they need people to do that, right? And so what I learned not long ago is that many times these people are going to be people that have been adopted, uh, uh, abducted and, and, and trafficked and forced to do this kind of labor um, in, in Southeast Asia. Um, and so in, in some ways, uh, this fraud GPT is, is great because it means that there's less people needed to operate these, these kind of scams. But at the same time, you can imagine the scalability just becomes infinite because you can now send it out to as many emails as you want and you will you know, be able to respond to everything in, in almost real time. So fraud GPT operates it, but it also creates new uh, scam schemes from, from scratch. It's, it's fascinating. And the other part that I found so entertaining about this is um, it's actually operated as a SaaS, uh, as a SaaS model. <laughs> so so it's, it's available on the dark web, but it's not a one-time purchase. So it's not just free to use, but you actually have to have a monthly subscription, which I, I found very, very interesting. Wow. Well, Philip, thank you for uh, for scaring me a little bit, but also from an educational <laughs> perspective, it's a super, super interesting space and obviously wish you the best of success with Jumio. Um, anything you'd like to finish up on? or No, I think, you know, we are in this arms race. We're doing what we can to stop the fraudsters so far quite successful. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see what the future brings. Absolutely. Well, wishing you the best, my man, and uh, I'll see you soon. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed today's show, please like and share with your friends and colleagues as this is really important for the show's reach. If you'd like to be our next guest or are interested in Aspron Search's staffing solutions, please get in touch directly with me or reach out to us via our website, www.aspronsearch.com.